0: As a former English professor who has done a lot of quality assurance for peers and catching mistakes in my own work, I think it's always a good idea for a refresher on common writing and grammar mistakes, especially the ones I've seen occur in learning materials the most. Here are some of the mistakes I've seen and made over the years and quick reminders on how to correct these in your writing. Misusing commas. There are a couple of very common myths when it comes to comma use. Number one, you put a comma wherever you take a breath. Number two, you need a comma before every instance of and or but. Neither of these are true. Different people take breaths at different places when reading something out loud, and it's even harder to identify where a breath would occur when you're reading silently to yourself. Using a comma with and or but is only required when what's on either side is a complete sentence. Let's break down the most common comma rules so you have a better idea of when to use them. Using commas to separate independent clauses. An independent clause is a complete sentence with a subject, verb, and object. If you have two complete sentences on either side of a conjunction, for, and, nor, but, or, yet, and so are the most popular ones, you put a comma before the conjunction. For example, Lucy took the new leadership training comma, but Tom took the one for individual contributors. An example where a comma is not needed would be, Lucy took the new leadership training and the one for individual contributors. Pro tip, for words such as however and therefore, you would use a semicolon before the word and a comma after when they separate two independent clauses only. This is because these are not normal conjunctions, they're conjunctive adverbs. The word because, by definition, connects a subordinate clause with an independent clause, not two independent clauses, so it generally doesn't require a comma before it. For example, Lucy took the new leadership training, semicolon, however, comma, Tom took the one for individual contributors. Lucy took the training for individual contributors because the leadership training was full. No punctuation. Using commas after introductory words or clauses. If you're starting a sentence with an introductory dependent clause, like I am here, you need a comma after it. A dependent clause is one that doesn't make a complete sentence by itself, requiring the rest of the sentence to make sense. For example, because Tanya was fixing her computer, comma, she did not attend the meeting. Also, using transition words at the beginning of sentences requires a comma after the transition word. For example, meanwhile, comma, Leon shared LMS completions with the team. If you want even more about how you also need a comma after introductory, prepositional, a positive, participial, infinitive, and absolute phrases, Check out the linked, detailed list from OWL at Purdue. Using commas around parenthetical phrases and apositives. An apositive is a word or phrase that follows a noun explaining or defining it. Apositives require commas before and after. For example, Omar, the chief learning officer at XYZ Corp., is interviewing new candidates on Tuesday. Parenthetical expressions add detail or explanation to a sentence, but the sentence's meaning is not dependent on the phrase. Words like however and therefore can also be considered parenthetical expressions when they aren't separated by two independent clauses. Like a positive's parenthetical expressions require commas before and after. For example, the obsession with trends in L&D is, comma, in my opinion, comma, taking focus away from the important things. I realize, comma, however, comma, that I might be spending too much time on this project. For more information and examples of parenthetical phrases, check out the linked blog on Grammarist.com. Using commas with quotations. A comma is used before quotation marks to introduce a direct quote. For example, they said, comma, quote, I don't know how to do this one. If the quotation is explained after the quote, a comma is placed inside the quotation marks. For example, quote, I think I need to check on the progress of the project tomorrow morning, comma, quote, he said, period. Using commas with dates. For dates, a comma belongs only between the day of the week and the month between the day of the month and the year, and between the year and the rest of the sentence. If any of those parts are missing, a comma is not needed. For example, on Friday, December 15th, 2003, we will have our first in-person training for new hires. On May 11th, 2002, we met some new team members. There was a new course added to the LMS on February 16th. Using commas with two concurrent adjectives. Use a comma between two adjectives that aren't separated by the word and. For example, he was a helpful comma honest team member. Oh, and one last thing. I'm all for the Oxford or serial comma. You know, when you have a comma between all of the items in a list. However... This is a style choice. If you want to read more about the Oxford comma drama, check out the linked article. Dangling or misplacing modifiers. A dangling modifier happens when you have a word or phrase that modifies a subject that isn't clearly mentioned in the sentence. For example, excited about her new role, comma, the office environment was friendly and welcoming. In this example, we're missing the subject who is excited about the new role. We have this dependent phrase that has nothing to depend on. If we were to correct the dangling modifier, it would look something like this. Excited about her new role, comma, she thought the office environment was friendly and welcoming. Misplaced modifiers are my favorite as a former English professor because they're the funniest. A misplaced modifier occurs when a word, phrase, or clause is separated from the word or phrase it is modifying or describing. For example, the kind mother handed out homemade cookies to the children in treat bags. The children aren't in treat bags, but the prepositional phrase in treat bags is closer to the noun children than it is to homemade cookies, making it look like there are a bunch of little tiny kids in treat bags waiting for their cookies. A corrected version would look like this. The kind mother handed out homemade cookies in treat bags to the children. Making common word mistakes. There are some common mistakes we all make with using the wrong word for the situation, using the wrong phrase for something, or consistently misspelling certain words. Thank you, spell check. Here are some words that are commonly incorrectly replaced for one another. Affect with an A and effect with an E. Affect is a verb that means to impact or change, and effect is a noun that means the result of the change. Example. To examine how the market affects pay, uses affect with an A, versus the training had the desire to affect, which uses effect with an E. There, there, and there. T-H-E-R-E denotes a place. T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E is a contraction meaning they are, and T-H-E-I-R denotes possession. For example, He went there after work, T-H-E-R-E. They're going to a new office building on Monday, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. It was their hard work that earned the team the reward, T-H-E-I-R. Your and your. Y-O-U-R denotes possession, whereas Y-O-U apostrophe R-E is a contraction meaning you are. For example, fill out your form by Friday, Y-O-U-R, if you're attending the meeting, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Then and then. Then is a point in time, whereas than denotes comparison. Then she gave the book to her friend versus their performance was better than their colleagues. Which and that? That is used for defining clauses, whereas which is used for non-defining clauses. But what does that mean? If the phrase can be removed from the sentence and still makes sense, you can use which. But if the phrase can't be removed without confusing the meaning, you should use that. It depends heavily on the context of the writing in the sentence, so we won't confuse things with an out-of-context example. IE versus EG. IE means that is, or that is to say, whereas EG means, for example. IE refers to the thing, whereas EG refers to a thing. So they are not interchangeable. For example, the deadline is Friday, i.e. We need to get our project out for SME review by Thursday morning. Versus, she had a list of skills, e.g. leadership, empathy, and project management. Capitalizing in Proper Nouns When capitalizing nouns, it's important to remember the rules for the organization or client you're working for. That is, are there certain words that represent products, programs, or processes that your company requires to always be capitalized? With that in mind, I'm going to share some of the words that don't need to be capitalized but are sometimes incorrectly capitalized in use. Job Titles you don't need to capitalize job titles unless they occur right before a name. The marketing director position is open with no caps versus marketing director Brett Torreson, which would have each word capitalized. Industries or departments. You don't need to capitalize the names of industries or departments unless they are used with a business or organization name. For example, the sales department, all lowercase, Versus the big business company sales department, where every word is capitalized. Non specific occasions. You don't capitalize the words for non specific holidays or occasions. For example, birthday, anniversary, and party are all lowercase, versus Christmas, Hanukkah, and Ramadan, which are all capitalized. Seasons and directions. Seasons and directions are only capitalized when they are part of a title. For example, the company is on fall holiday, with fall and holiday capitalized, versus she started last fall, where fall is not capitalized. West coast, where west and coast are capitalized, versus headed west, where west is not capitalized. Here are some of the types of nouns that should be capitalized. Titles of books, government departments, religions and their deities, planets, Cities and states, political parties, academic degrees, and races outside of white. Misapplying hyphens. Here we're talking about hyphenated words, not to be confused with using dashes. Hyphens are used together as an adjective before a noun. For example, it was a long-term performance plan for the team, where the words long and term are hyphenated. If the words are being used as adjectives, but aren't directly before the noun, you don't need to hyphenate them. For example, the performance plan for the team was long-term, with no hyphen. You also don't need a hyphen if one of the words being used to describe the noun is an adverb. For example, the poorly executed plan didn't survive the leadership meeting, where poorly and executed do not need a hyphen. Lacking varied sentence length. If sentences are consistently too short, it can sound like an early reading book you might have found in elementary school, making the tone awkward. For example, there is a new policy. Find it on the internet. Fill it out by May 1st. Ask your manager any questions. On the other hand, if all your sentences are too long, it will read too academic, boring, and like a dissertation. No, I'm not giving an example. You know what I'm talking about. It's best to vary the sentence length for the things you're writing—courses, videos, and more. This way, you can avoid run-on sentences and make the flow of your writing more readable. Not changing the tone for the medium The way you talk to your friends is probably not the same tone as you use with a stranger or with an older family member. It's important to change your writing tone depending on the type of learning experience you're creating. If you're writing something for a video that will be read by a narrator, you're probably going to use a warmer, more casual tone depending on the subject matter. If you're writing for a really technical course or document, you'll want to be very concise but detailed and probably take a more serious tone. It's important to remember the audience and the delivery method when you start writing.